Black House Whiskey Club podcast. Uh, we are here at the Old Nick uh, Distillery, Farm and Distillery, I should say. Um, here with a lot of history, and here with the uh, with with some of the generations down that has taken over this history and this heritage. Um, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself, telling us where we are at, and uh, and what you guys produce and make, and we're going to talk a lot about history today. So uh, I'd like to introduce my guest, if you want to introduce yourself, because you do it the best way. Yep. My name is Zeb Williams. Uh, I'm one of the co-owners here at Old Nick Williams Farm and Distillery. We're located in Louisville, North Carolina, just outside of Winston-Salem. And um, th- this is going to be a podcast that's full of information. Uh, this this is a distillery that is unlike anything that we've gone to yet. Um, we've gone to distilleries that have a lot of history they have some cool stories but this one is dating back much 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 longer than anything that uh, i think most distilleries in the united states could ever claim um this is a history that's dating back how far zeb oh the distillery actually was founded in 1768 by my fourth great grandfather that's amazing 1768 and so your great grandfather what was his name uh his name was joseph williams he was actually a colonel in the revolutionary war uh fought just under george washington and is actually buried in our family graveyard just up the road with military honors i didn't even know that that's amazing um so what got him involved in uh producing and not necessarily whiskey but alcohol right right well i guess first and foremost um you know, back then, everybody, for the most part, had a steal. You know, alcohol or spirits were used for medicinal purposes. They were used for family use. They were used for all sorts of things. Um, with that being said, the steel was put in for primarily family use first, and then the word spread of the quality. And next thing you know, he was in operation as a distillery selling his products, you know, across the state. So what, what do you think... Um what made his his alcohol more, more higher quality than others? Did he have a way of doing things that was different? Well, you know, I can't speak all the way back to my fourth great-grandfather, but I know as the company evolved to the time you got to my great-grandfather, absolutely. He was known as a rectifier. Not only did he distill his own liquor, he would purchase um, – poor quality uh, spirits from other people around the area and then refine those products to better product really absolutely so he just did this for a long time it got passed down to your was it be great grandfather yep and uh and is that time is that time period when prohibition started to occur yep that was just before prohibition uh my great grandfather inherited the company in the late 1800s and as we transitioned into the beginning of the 1900s north carolina began to get um uh you know, very aggressive trying to push the uh, distilleries out of the state. And is there a reasoning why North Carolina was so harsh and so aggressive on prohibition? You know, just this is my personal opinion. You know, we've always been known as the Bible Belt in the area. Um, and I think that stands true to that. I think it was just uh, a heavy religious area that frowned on the use of spirits and alcohol. And and that was just the the initiative at that particular time yeah it well it it's it, at least it wasn't the right religion right because <laughs> right. back home we've got uh certain counties that were that were very that were very catholic and they said hey that was the ones that were bootlegging it you know right. for the most part so i guess we'd say the wrong religion but i i agree with you i went to school in the south and it is definitely it's, I, I call it the belt buckle of the of the bible belt and uh that 
that's usually the, the case in point with most decisions made. But he so the, the prohibition got started, and some like other some like like other uh, distilleries or or alcohol producers that would make it for medicinal purposes. His got kind of run down. Um, uh, or ran out and business had to shut down, correct? Yep, right. Uh, North Carolina actually enacted prohibition uh, 10 years before the federal government. So we were forced in 1909 to stop production here on the farm and could only sell our products outside of the state lines and internationally. Gotcha. So now there's actually some proof that there of, of some of that prohibition uh, era that started here. Did your grandfather continue to produce even during prohibition? No, uh, we never operated as a legal distillery. Uh, my great-grandfather died in 1913, so he never got to see the federal prohibition enacted. And the the oldest kid at the particular time, I think was, you know, three or four years old or, you know, just wasn't old enough to take over the farm or take over the distillery. Um, with that being said, there was no production going on. Uh, the stories are that the stills were torn down with part of the family and taken to Kentucky. You know, Kentucky holds the still the name as bourbon country or bourbon uh, capital of the world. And the reason that happened is because as prohibition happened, there were five permits that were allowed to stay in operation. Most of those were in Kentucky. One of those actually even being Buffalo Trace. Really? So uh, they continued to make alcohol throughout prohibition so when prohibition was repealed they already had the permits in place and they were already have agent so product. luck That's luck right. involved absolutely. luck involved wow absolutely so what and were they probably that? a little bit a little of bit money. money yeah a little influence like most things i suppose in the world do you what is the do you remember the other four i don't um and i really stuck to that point and i learned that out of buffalo trace tour so, yeah um huh even as a distillery owner that's how even as a distillery owner that's that's how i spend my time when i'm traveling i tour distilleries and and visit le- liquor stores yeah no that's a good <laughs> liquor stores and, and other just that's absolutely uh, we, we, you learn a lot from other distillers too um and we've as we've been talking about the the laws and the regulations that have been um handed down to to you guys in other distilleries across the united states um the, the north carolina seems to be especially kind of behind uh in in times a little bit it seems like they're still holding on to those uh, prohibitive uh, measures for unknown reasons. Yeah, the, it's very unfortunate too. I think um, I think those laws being so prohibitive are are what actually cause some of the the tougher work for the small and craft distilleries. You know, getting through those hurdles uh, or eliminating those hurdles would help us. You know, in regards to sales, distribution, etc. They've made these rules and loopholes so tough that getting out and and marketing your product and spreading the word of your product and having the money to market your product is almost impossible because of those constraints number 1 and number 2 the amount of taxes and the money that we're we're paying the state to operate yeah so You've actually been involved in a lot of change in the state, uh, as I know that you are correctly the, the correct me if I'm wrong the secretary uh, of a certain council in the state. Yeah, I'm I'm part of part of the Distillers Association here in North Carolina, and what we do is try to focus on fixing these um, pro prohibitive laws and and addressing this uh, industry as a whole and trying to make it a little bit more. Um, open for commerce 
Yeah. Now, you know, we hear about this across the, the country. It seems like we were talking about earlier, uh, you know, every state is like a t- completely different country when it comes to yeah. the the, the uh, whiskey and alcohol in general. Yep. And to be honest with you, I'm not against the control state sure. uh, thing at all. What I would like to see is instead of policing us like criminals or like we're doing things uh, illegal, switch into a little bit more pro-business outlook. Uh, to where they support the way we distribute, where they support the way we market, um, and, and take away some of these these handcuffing laws that that don't allow us to spread the word of what we're doing. Yeah, uh, it's it's well, especially as a small business and a small distillery, um, opening opening distribution up into new states. There's tons of uh, risk involved. There's tons of money involved. Uh, a lot of legal battles that you can that you could possibly consume. Uh, there's, there's across the board, um, and so yeah, I, we've we've ran that before, and I, but I've never really seen it before, <laughs> like uh, I've seen here in North Carolina. To be honest with you, where whiskey essentially was uh, started in, in in the very beginning, right? Um, so let's go back to you to you, to the story of the whiskey, um, which is you know primarily what we like to to focus on, and even though this legislation and and laws and the run-in with the law has been kind of part of the family's history your, your grandfather has been fighting this for since for 200 plus years well absolutely you know it uh alcohol has always been one of those things that the, the government likes to have the stranglehold on you know they know they can pull in a lot of tax money on it and these laws and taxes have evolved over the last two or 300 years into what they are today. Um, and, and like you mentioned, my family has fought those laws from the very beginning to the point where my great grandfather actually fought all the way to the U S Supreme court on taxation. You know, it, it, I've learned to get these things changed. You got to fight and you got to be vocal. And, uh, I'm going to continue in the footsteps of, of my forefathers. That's so cool. That's very cool. Now, did I read correctly that the some of the recipes that you use for the whiskey is is being used today? Uh, yeah, we're we're pretty close. Um, you know, we didn't have actually written down recipes. Uh, the family did not write them down and record them. Uh, I would say because of, of fear of them being stolen. Uh, however, we've done some chemical analysis, and what we've been told word of mouth from generation to generation we're trying to stay true to these recipes as close as possible yeah well it's 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 really good stuff um i tell you that's uh we, we tried some earlier and uh it's, it's up there with some of the best that i've ever had i'm like we've talked about i'm not a whiskey connoisseur so i haven't tried thousands of different whiskeys but i've tried enough to definitely have an opinion and uh man this is good and i think uh not necessarily i'm not necessarily the only one saying that you guys have won double gold at the san francisco spirits competition um among other people who have been to the distillery and tried it uh and so you've got it's got an amazing thing going on so what's amazing to me is that uh you know let's say theoretically that you are very close to this original recipe I mean, they had something figured out even back in those days, which is amazing. Well, that's actually one of my my favorite selling points. And one of the favorite things I say is granddaddy had it figured out. Um, and we realized that after our very first time making it and actually getting some some try in the barrel. Um, you know, it's amazing if you take good ingredients, you start with good ingredients, you make a good raw product off of the steel, the barrel will only make it better. I mean, you take a terrible product and put it in barrel, 
you're just going to have a barrel aged terrible product. <laughs> so <laughs> pretty common sense. Um, yeah. So um, you know, we tr- we start by choosing top notch ingredients. We use all North Carolina grains, uh, non GMO corn, staying very true to what my my forefathers would have used a hundred years ago. It's an heirloom variety called Reed Yellow Dent. We only have one farmer here in the state that grows it, uh, and that's how scarce it is. Wow. So um, it yields about half of what your traditional genetically modified corns grow. So the farmers don't like to grow it because uh, it takes up a lot of field space with not a lot of yield. Wow. So have you noticed a big difference between the non-GMO and, and a, a corn with a higher yield that would be a GMO? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And still here on the farm today, we have a bunch of uh, genetically modified corn being grown and we actually tried first to use that particular corn the flavor that was coming off the steel wasn't what we were looking for hmm. um i don't know how to describe it and i don't know how, even how to describe those flavors but we were just getting off flavors with that particular corn uh, we tried three varieties before we nailed down uh the one that that gave the best characteristics to our spirits yeah that's, so, um, this this history would take hours long to go past. <laughs> I mean, if anybody uh, wants to read about it, uh, go to the website. What's that? Will you tell folks what the website is? Yeah, our website is www.oldnickwhiskey.com. And so on that website, because we were doing this last night and we were, we were reading about it this morning, um, it's very dense with history. Um, we're talking... Probably a good 15 to 25 minute read. And it was your grandmother or your mother. Yeah. My mother, uh, handled the writing of the rat. She did a great job. Um, and she's, she knows how to, she seems to know the history well and writes, uh, very particular to formalities, uh, of the history, which is great. Uh, but so my point is, is it would take too long to go through every single one. But some of the things, I guess, that, uh, that was interesting, um, and, and stuck out with me is, is how long this generation has become. I mean, I know that you can't verify uh, or like to go on record to say that you are, but we were just talking, you know, in layman's terms, like this has got to be one of the longest family lineage, lineages um, and heritage that, uh, that's been making whiskey in the United States. I, I mean, there's, there might be other people up there, but we're talking, it's got to be up there. I'm not saying number one or even number two or three, but it's got to be up there, right? Yeah, I, you know, I would say so considering, you know, 2018 would technically be 250 years in operation. <laughs> you know, of course, we had you know 80 or 90 years hiatus during Prohibition. But, you know, the stories of the business lived on, the history of the business lived on, and now the business lives on. Yeah, well, and some other things that we were looking at earlier to go along with this story is this, this, this whiskey – uh, was with the quality was so good that you know there was even presidents of the United States uh, that were reaching out to get your great grandfather great great grandfather's uh, alcohol is that correct yeah absolutely we have all that stuff included in our historical museum here at the distillery and uh, just to go back through the different decades and uh, even further to have that type of history linked to our products um, it's, it's really neat no it's so neat I mean uh, to hold a you know, a piece of paper from Theodore Roosevelt um, is is incredible. Even though we were looking at some copies of some certain things, you, it's they're they're identical of uh, the actual copies because that would be crazy to let those be open to the public. Those are 
as historical as they get in the United States of America that you would never want exposed to certain things. Priceless documents. Ab- very oh, well to 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 America. Those are priceless. I mean, there's those are unbelievable. But to just see the handwriting of a president <laughs> and what the, what the, how how beautiful. People wrote and in cursive. Uh, I mean, and how straight they're, they're, they're. I when I write on paper, it's 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 <laughs> at the end of my lines. I'm going. I'm making a right hand curve there. They were perfectly straight. Yeah, the penmanship was amazing back yeah. then, and that that that's one of my favorite things to look at is the quality of how they wrote, um, the the language they wrote. Uh, just uh, it takes you back to a different time period. Yeah, no, that's always fun. Who? What was the? Who was the other uh, gentleman that wrote to your grandfather? Uh, James Buchanan. Buchanan. That's right. And there's a there's James K. Polk also. And, Bu- J- and Buchanan, he wanted the rye. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. That was his favorite. He was sent some corn whiskey, uh, but he let my great grandfather know that the the rye was his favorite. And and. In, in President Roosevelt, I mean, th- there had to have been a relationship here, right? Because he knew how many kids that were in the family. He congratulated them on some new chi- new children, told them how many children he had, what his favorite whiskey was. I mean, th- yeah. it seems like there was like a, a relationship built. You know, again, I can't speak 100% and say yes or no, but I would say so. You know, there has to be some type of relationship established there. Yeah. No, oh, that's, that's so incredible. Uh, some... It, this is a this is ex- the exact reason why we do Rack House uh, to tell these stories that are out there um, because as you uh, that, that sits there on the, on your label uh, you guys say it's the uh, the most unknown what is that again we're the America's most famous forgotten distillery and it, for for now anyway uh, until until times come and this story gets released uh, I mean this is kind of why we do these things is because there are these. You have you have people showing up at this distillery that live in the area that didn't, didn't even know that this existed. Oh, absolutely! I, uh, you know, pretty much every day. Yeah, that's incredible. See, th- we talk about this a lot. Um, you know, this there's there could be historical museums and the stories that happen that could be right down the road from you, which is the beautiful thing of life, which is also the beautiful thing of whiskey. Um, we've traveled across the country now, um, and tr- and we. we we don't know if it's necessarily geography or if it's they knew something back in the day that uh, we just can't figure out now um, or if it's the science and the innovation that's involved in trying to make whiskey. Um, but, you know, this one speaks for itself. And uh, as soon as we even heard that we didn't know you guys were here either. We were just an hour down the road. And uh, and, and thank goodness we, we got the word of you guys. And my, this whole entire day when I was even when I was holding those documents and when we were out in that that field in the timber. Uh, do you guys call it timber? We call it timber back home. Uh, we call it the woods. The woods. There you go. Same <laughs> thing. There you go. The woods. We're out in the woods and just walking around that area where the uh, the would you call the revenuers? Yeah, the revenuers. They were the. I'll tell you tell that story because uh, this is your place. Well, yeah. Well, so uh, you know, prohibition was enacted and the revenuers came in and disposed of the twenty two thousand gallons of of liquor, which was then now illegal. Uh, disposed of that just up behind the distillery on the old road and broke thousands and thousands of bottles and destroyed hundreds and hundreds of barrels. And now we can kick through those glass piles and dig through those glass piles just like digging through history. Oh, my goodness. I mean, when you said so when we read about that, we have an image in our heads of what something that might that, that, that might look like. And then when you took us up there, 
it's literally everywhere up there. I mean, it, it crunches below your feet, and you almost feel like, oh my god, I might have. You're cr- it almost feels a little bit bad in a way. But this is where you used to go as a kid and scurry through those places, right? That's right. You know, um, I come from the generation pre-electronics. It was get outside and play in the woods. Yeah. Uh, your parents didn't want to see you until you know it's time to eat lunch or it was uh, time for bed. So you know, Matt and I spent many, many, many hours roaming the woods here and finding these areas where the whiskey was made and finding the areas where the whiskey bottles were broken and and spent hours together playing in those talking about maybe one day you know now today is the one day yeah and you can still see see these bottles that still have the name williams you can still see little little uh tiny spots where there, it says williams on it there's bot there's ceramic bottles up there there's purple glass or it has a purple hue to it like an indigo there's a, a teal colored bottle. i mean it's beautiful art as well that's up there absolutely absolutely and and as we get back into this and establish more product and more brands and start doing special releases we want to mimic some of those bottles yeah. we want to mimic that beautiful purple bottle and put a special corn in it uh you know so we have ideas to mimic and and replicate as many of these old products as we can i just thought about that that tree that fell on your yard was here when your grand grandfather was here absolutely and how cool would that be i mean that tree probably watched the entire history of this brand yeah oh it watched the it watched the revenuers roll into this area it watched them carry that up there it watched i mean the letters come in it watched i mean that's amazing to see the history i mean i just thought about that i don't know why um but that's a that's one of the perspective oh it really does uh that is that's that's beautiful and uh to to put that in perspective uh or to tell the story there's a there's range let's say probably a three it's one of the biggest oak trees i've ever seen in my life um and we're talking uh, i mean it's 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 gonna take a while to get that thing cut and that fell down recently right yeah absolutely uh we lost it a few months ago uh during a big rainstorm it'd been progressively leaning for the last 20 or 25 years so it was a matter of time yeah and then it happened well we hope one day maybe there'll be a special release someday you never know maybe with some barrels of that who knows but that's right but uh, there's a lot of cool stuff going on here. Um, to find the distillery, it's a it's a beautiful area, um, especially during the fall. I mean, anytime you're out here in the east, uh, not the east coast, but the the eastern side, the southeast, uh, Smoky Mountain, Appalachian area, out in the hills, where the uh, I mean, this is kind of the forefront of moonshining, right? Well, absolutely. We're 30 minutes down the road from Wilkes County, which is. Home of moonshine. Home of moonshine. This is and home of NASCAR. It is. Yeah, I know it. I just learned that that that's how that all got combined. I had no idea that before. Right. Um. That's cool. So you're you're we're right here in the heart of it. Um. Your guys are doing a complete renovation of your tasting room and distillery right now. Is that correct? We are. Um, we're actually doubling the size of our tasting room uh, to accommodate and provide a better experience for our customers. Yeah. So if you ever get out here, um, any listeners listening to this. Do not forget to look this up. Look it up on Google um, or go to the website and find the, the, the location of this distillery. They do. It's, it's, it, this is a museum. Um, there's a lot of distilleries in the United States that, that claim to be tourist attractions. Um, and, and maybe they are for their, their, little, their little area. But this is, a, this is a historical attraction, a tourist attraction uh, that has uh, ties way back that nobody else can claim. Um, that, uh, that you may not have heard of before. So if you're in the area, 
Louisville, is that where we're at? The big town of Louisville. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, go out of your way a little bit um, and travel here because it's uh, it's beautiful country. Uh, the people here have been nothing but just the most hospitable and, 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 and great people. I mean, we're in the South. This is Southern hospitality um, at its finest. And uh, people here are going to treat you really well. And uh, and even better, you guys got have done a really great job with your product. Um, it's uh, you're, you're growing a lot. Great things are happening. I'm happy to see that. And uh, out of nowhere, this is the most serendipitous trip I've ever had. I'll be honest with you because uh, we just met each other not too long ago. And so you never really know what you're going to expect. And uh, it's been it's been way more than I expected. Uh, I was just holding some of those those documents and, and walking through that those woods. My heart started pumping. And I was late getting back down the hill because I had to sit there in silence. To be honest with you, that's why I was. I took a little video afterwards because I had to document my feelings at that moment in time right. um, because I was just kind of imagining how long ago and the history that had been in these woods um and it, it was just incredible to see these pieces of glass sitting there and the last time they were put together and the, what was in there and the history that has passed on through there and the the world events and u.s event, i was just everything was passing through at that moment in time it, it was incredible man i i didn't expect that tr- that that feeling to happen on this trip so um i think that a lot of people who would come to this this place will have that same feeling and I don't say that lightly um, because, I, I mean, I don't get excited by a, a ton of things. I get excited by my children and uh, and the little things in life. But when it comes to history and to witness that and feel it, that, that for some reason just uh, clicks in me for some reason. So. Well, it's like taking a small step back in time. I mean, that's essentially what you're doing. You're You're opening the door to history right in front of you. Yeah, but it's raw here. Yep. It's raw. Like, it's not in a... Um, it's it's not in a in a glass case where you still feel a little bit uh, 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 um, uh, away from it. You know what I mean? Like right. this is stuff that is right here in front of you. You still have the old barn um, that that is still here. Yeah, it might be fun, but it's still just amazing that that wood that is still there. I mean, if it could talk and the stories that it could tell, that oak tree that's sitting out there, if it could tell the stories. I Absolutely. Mean, this the ground that it was on. Um, and even heck, I mean, who knows? I were ground around. There's the old road that you can still clearly see that there was a road there at one point in time. Yep. That was very, very, uh, so it's, it's, it's right there in front of you that you could stand on top of and uh, experience, which is different, you know? Um, and you get to live here and you grew up here. So it's probably, you've probably gotten used to it now, but I can even see in your eyes that reading through small documents, you still get excited for sure. Yeah, that's cool. So Go, tell the people again where the website is. I mean, we're going to feature you guys in the Rackhouse Whiskey Club. Uh, right now, you're just in North Car- North Carolina. Um, so this is a, a very rare opportunity um, to try some super historic stuff. And, and it, you won double gold at the San Francisco Spirits Competition. So you don't have to take my word for it. You can take some experts' word for it uh, that you guys make some good stuff. And, and tell people again where to find you on the Internet. Yep. You can find us at our website. Uh, our page is www.oldnickwhiskey.com. And then we're also on Facebook. You can follow us there. Keep up with all of our events and social media stuff. We like to hold events here at the distillery three or four times a year. Uh, do uh, some stuff for, uh, you know, nonprofits and and. Have Give them back fun. to the community That's and right. have some fun. Absolutely. there's not. I, I love to hear that. So you heard the guy. Go there. Um, and then the, this next uh, this next box that gets that gets shipped out, make sure you go up and, and get you some of that, and uh, we'll go from there. So 
thank you again for coming on to the the podcast and and inviting us into your home this has been beautiful and introducing us to all your family um it's been a trip i'll never forget so thank you and thank you and rack house for having us no absolutely cheers y'all